Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. You might be a people pleaser if you tend to feel guilty when you do actually have the nerve to say no, if you tend to prioritize other people's wants and needs, even at your own expense, you tend to keep your mouth shut and not rock the boat, and you feel like it's never your turn. Well, I am here to tell you that it is your turn now and you are in the right place at the right time being exactly who you are because there's nothing wrong with you. People pleasing is just a habit that we get into to cope with various things that at one time in our life were way too stressful to deal with. And so much like a class clown will learn to tell jokes, we learn to please other people. And I say we because I have been there. So I am here in this podcast every week as your guide to an inner journey of liberation. Join me for this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. So this episode sort of takes us in a different direction than some of our others. I thought it would be fun for people to hear from some of the people that I've coached to help you kind of get an idea of what it's like to actually be coached. Because a lot of people, even though coaching is more popular or common, you know, known than it was five or 10 years ago, there's still sort of that, I mean, almost really like when you go to get a therapist, it's like, well, what's this really going to be like, (laughs) you know, once I'm in their office, what's going to happen? So once you're on Zoom with me, what's going to happen? So I have with me um, one of my dear, dear clients, Meredith Jacks, and Meredith is in real estate, which I have a lot of people in my universe connected to me through real estate because I was in real estate for 30 plus years, so I know a lot of people in that world. So Meredith, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm super happy to be here, and I'm really happy to see your face. It's been too long. I know it has. So I'm here in Southern California. Meredith is back in Pennsylvania, where I used to be. Meredith, um, I'm going to say it this way. You can correct me if you want to say it a different way. Meredith runs um, a real estate, an independent real estate uh, company, Steyer Real Estate, that was started by your dad, right? So the original company, yeah, my father started Kenneth R. Steyer Real Estate in 1975, I think, and he ran that for 35 years and then took a little hiatus, and then I reopened Steyer Real Estate Volume 2. Okay, you're the 2.0. I'm the 2.0. Of course you are. And so Meredith and I met Because I, for those of you who don't know, one of the other things I do is I love to teach people about emotional intelligence, what it is, how to improve it, and how that can impact you both in work, in leadership, um, and in life, because there's no actual compartmentalizing of ourselves, right? Like when we learn skills that help us in the workplace, they also help us in our personal lives. And so Meredith and I met um, at a leadership development program that I contribute to every year for a really large realtor association there in Pennsylvania. And so that was, was that almost, was that three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we did it in February, I think. Mm-hmm. So we met there and I will admit, I liked you instantly. And I felt like 
you really, and you can tell me where I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong on my own podcast, but I felt like that was really a beginning, you know, for us and in our future work together on things not related necessarily to EQ or, you know, trainings for work, but there was just a connection I felt like, and I felt like you really grabbed on to what I was talking about there and really, you know, like took it seriously and was really doing that kind of inner work because emotional intelligence, for those of you who don't really know what that is covering uh, specifically, it's, there's four components. It's about self-awareness and then self-management. So once I'm aware of what I'm doing, what do I change (laughs) how I speak and react in the world? And then social awareness, my awareness of others and relationship management, then how can I um, help a whole group of people or one other person I'm in, you know, engaged with in my own reactions and theirs and empathy and all those things. So tell me what that was like for you. Let's just go back memory, down memory lane a moment to three years ago and what that was like for you to be in my workshop or whatever you want to call it that we were sure, doing. Sure. Well, I think my first, it wasn't even my first impression of you, but I used to enter into a lot of situations unsure of what I was going to gain from that situation because I have been in a leadership role for most of my working life. Mm-hmm. And I think that I got there thinking there might be a couple things I'll take away. But I was almost to the point where I felt like I was going to be more of somebody who helped other people. When I got there, I was going to have more to give and share than I was going to get. And that was my mental state walking in there. Um, And when I saw you, you were the first coach we had. Um, I just remember thinking, she's going to challenge me because you have an energy about you that I am not used to um, because it's actually me that has that energy. And so when I see another person who matches me in energy, it almost becomes, I almost put up a, a wall in a way where I'm like, is this person going to am I going to clash with this person or are they going to actually, you know, listen to what I have to say? That's kind of how I went in there. I think Uh it took me about eight minutes um, of being in the class to think, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing. This woman has a lot to teach me. And that was one of the, that was my, was one of the first times I remember thinking, I really need to listen to what this person is saying because I had a lot of self-awareness. I very much know who I am, how I'm perceived, um, the energy that I put out in social and work situations. But what I don't have is the management or didn't have was the management of that. Mm -hmm. Being able to say to somebody, well, yeah, I'm very aware of how I carry myself. I'm very aware of how people perceive me, but that's where I would just leave it. There was no, what am I doing to kind of manage that for myself and other people and and see how they see me. So yeah, I I think initially I was very um, apprehensive to dive in because I wasn't sure that I was going to have much to learn. And like I said, it did not take me a long time to realize that I very much needed to be there. And there was a reason I was there. Awesome. Well, you know, you bring up such a great point because this is the Liberate Your People Pleaser podcast. <laughs> and, um, because we continued working together after that day, I know that you can identify with this idea of people pleasing and the habits that tend to go along with that. 
of keeping the peace, of doing too much for others. And by too much, I just mean any amount where we then feel overextended um, or resentful because we didn't get enough thank yous afterwards or whatever, all of that, those kinds of situations are what people pleasers get into all the time. And that kind of is what took us to our one-on-one coaching relationship. But before we go there, I think what you said there that is so important is that piece of there are many of us who do have, we have cultivated that Mm self-awareness. And so I like, I have so many clients, not all my clients, but many of my clients through the years come to me saying, Oh, I know, I know, I know I'm doing this. I know, like I'm, you know, I'm overextending. I'm putting myself last. Like I, but they don't know how to stop. Right. It's like, yeah, I get what I'm doing, but I don't know how to stop the things that aren't serving me anymore. And so I think while there's a certain amount that when you're in a, like when I'm speaking to a group or teaching, this was more like a workshop. It was like a six hour, you know, there were only a dozen of us. And so it's much more workshoppy than if I'm on a stage presenting, but either way, I always like to, you know, me, I always have to be practical too. Right. So I'm always giving like practical tools to help you cultivate these sort of elusive concepts of, you know, self-awareness and effectiveness and as a leader and, you know, how changing how you're responding and reacting to others. Like it all sounds good, but then for me, it's like, okay, great. Again, now that's like, okay, I have an awareness that I'm overreactive or that I'm losing my temper too often or whatever. I'm shutting down too often, what a lot of people pleasers do. But now how do I change that? So we've kind of workshopped on that in this particular um, group that we were in. But then there's that benefit. And I wonder, oh, I wonder if you can, I'll put you on the spot now, um, articulate a little bit about the difference between, or maybe you didn't feel like there was one, that's okay too. But the difference between being with me in a group like that and then being with me one-on-one with your own like very specific, you know, in a group, you're only going to be so transparent about, although every, you know, you, you were, the group was very nicely transparent, but there's got to be a difference. I mean, I'm oh, just, there's absolutely a difference. Okay. There's absolutely a difference. I mean, number one, for somebody in my kind of work, opening up to a group is much more difficult than opening mm-hmm. up to an individual. And in, in a way, especially because it's real estate, because it's competitive, mm-hmm. because it is a large loosely knit family um, of people that are also your competition you there's kind of an element of I don't want to be too weak in front of any of these people because if I'm ever in a situation where I'm negotiating against them I don't want them to know too much right yeah I think that was my thought too going into all this what turned out was that everybody that was in that course was very much there to be open and to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. And it was a very beautiful thing to see everybody kind of come together in all different stages of their careers. So mm-hmm. first time agents that were just struggling with learning the ropes, people that had been in it for decades, but really wanted to become leaders. And then people like me who became leaders quickly, maybe too quickly, um, mm-hmm. and just had some fine tuning to do. Mm-hmm. I think my individual talks with you, they were they were definitely way more intimate. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was easier for you to call me out bluntly when I needed to be 
because you knew that I felt safe in that space. Um, whereas in a group space, there were actually, there were a couple things you pulled me sort of aside for at one point when we were doing some activities, because I think you knew how I wanted to be, how I wanted to feel in the group scenario. The individual sessions were definitely, it felt more like I was just talking to somebody who's known me my entire life and was able to pinpoint all of the things that somebody should have been throwing in my face forever. So <laughs> I, I love that approach. And that was very, it worked tremendously with me. Well, good. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great point too, with the one-on-one, I think one of the nice things to me, I don't want to go to a coach because I pretty much always also, you know, have a coach that I'm going to, to me, it's just part of my self-care, right? To be working with my own coach, to go on retreats, to, you know, whatever, get a massage, to get time in solitude. Like it's just all kind of part of self-care to me. Not, I have long ago dropped the idea that there must be something wrong with me And that's why I need a therapist or that's why I need a coach. Now I spent a lot of years there. I spent, and that's why in liberate your people pleaser and much of all of what I do, hopefully, but I'm more overt about it in some spaces. I'm really careful to say, even when we talk about these habits and patterns of people pleasing that aren't serving us, that that does not equate. There's something wrong with you. Right. Okay. So when I'm one-on-one with somebody, I do feel like it's my job as the coach because I don't have the blind spots in your life that you have, you know, you and everybody else, we all have blind spots, but I don't have them for you. And so I can see something. I can tell that you're either not seeing or you're avoiding. And that to me is one of the that's part of what I love about being on my side, you know, and when I hire a coach, I won't keep working with somebody unless they're doing that with me, you know, because that's the, it's not because, Ooh, there's something wrong and I've got to have some shame. And so I kind of don't want to know it because that's, that's where we start when we have that idea, that thought that there's something wrong with me. And that's why I'm resentful, you know, about all this stuff I'm doing. No, you know, there's not, but if you feel that shame, you won't want to talk about it or you won't be very receptive to, you know, I can see, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember this and I don't know why I remember it, but I remember in a session talking about something you had done that you did feel really resentful in hindsight, you know, once you got through it, like you started wanting to do it and then got really resentful because people weren't responding the way you wanted to within it. And that's such a classic place for all of us as people pleasers to get to. So do you, I mean, I obviously just didn't give a lot of details on purpose um, because we won't out all the people in your life and whatever, but um, do you know what I mean? Do you remember? I do. Yeah. Listen, one of the, one of the most important things you ever taught me was that my expectations of other people will be my demise. Uh, I remember you telling me that, you know, to have certain expectations of yourself is healthy and normal. To have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of yourself and other people is the best way to just constantly be disappointed. And I think the resentfulness 
that I have felt before has always come from me having an expectation of somebody else or an expectation of an outcome of a situation. And then when it doesn't pan out, you know, I'm frustrated, I'm resentful, I'm, I'm upset about it. And Mm -hmm. you sort of reprogrammed me a little bit. Number one, making me realize that I don't actually have to do all the things all the time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. Forgiving myself when I do things that maybe I think I shouldn't have done, or it's just a lot of forgiveness and a lot of, of, a lot of expectation checking. And I think that every single time I ever felt any kind of really overwhelming sense of anything, it Mm -hmm. came from, you know, not getting what I thought I was going to get, not getting the reaction that I wanted, not getting the outcome. Um, And all of that, I mean, that literally just came down to you saying, well, who's placing these expectations on you? And, Mm -hmm. And then are you turning around and placing them on other people? And that's exactly what I've been doing most of my life. Um, So yeah, I mean, I absolutely remember that. There have been plenty of, plenty of times where you've said just little things and the way you phrase your questioning is, is oftentimes very pointing to what you, like, you don't want to say it. You want me to say it. You've said Uh a million times, you've said how, what do you think that is coming from? Like, you know, where it's coming from. I know where it's coming from, but I've never said it out loud. Um, right. And so a lot of, a lot of the things that I think I learned the most from you were, were taking time to connect the dots and understand how all of these, these things that I have are all connected, how my expectations are connected to my resentfulness, to my mm-hmm. anger, to my, whatever, my stress, pretty much, pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, you just brought up a really great point too, because you're right. I do design those questions um, so that, because I have said sometimes when this has come up that I have no agenda for a client, right? I, I can have a client that I can tell is in a really bad relationship. You know, usually it's romantic. Sometimes it's at work. Um, But, you know, and I can tell like it's super toxic and maybe even emotionally abusive or whatever, but I still can't, this is my own sort of moral compass or something, um, staying in my own lane, even though I'm being hired as the coach, I cannot go into that with an agenda that you need to leave that relationship, you know, kind of a thing. My, I do have one very clear agenda when I'm coaching somebody, and that is to take them into their own wisdom. It's it's empowerment. You empower people to to recognize what's happening in their own lives so that they can make that change. Because you telling Mm -hmm. me, you've, you could tell me a million things of why I am the, but, but your thing, and you said it in the beginning when you first started talking today is that the difference between you and a lot of other people that I've spoken to is that you give actual tools. Mm-hmm. You give actual fit, try this and see what this does. Try rephrasing what you say this way. And mm-hmm. how does that make you feel, mm-hmm. right? And there, there was a lot of that. How does it make you feel when you think this versus this, mm-hmm. right? Instead of you should be thinking this, you should be right. feeling this way. It's how does this make you feel if you reimagine this? That was a, yeah. it's a big deal for people to just be given the space to figure it out on their own. Because again, when somebody, especially if you're a strong 
women, which is who you have a tendency to work with or women yes. that, you know, strong ladies. Yes. Um, there's this, I don't want anybody telling me what to do ever. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But when you put it in my face and I have to acknowledge it and I say it out loud myself, it just, it changes how the response is and, and the ultimate outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to move to a little, you know, another thing here, because one of, I often ask clients for testimonials, you know, and uh, the, your, one of the things you said to me is my favorite, you know, not to put any client competition going on here for testimonials, but my favorite testimonial was you saying that through our work together, you figured out what self-love was and gave that to yourself. That's probably, I've just put more words on it than you said it much more succinctly, but that's me. I'm a words person, right? Um, <laughs> love my words. Um, so self-love again is such an elusive concept for most of us, you know, until you really experience it, it's like, oh yeah, great idea. And I'm not sure I can really say I'm doing that because I'm constantly browbeating myself in my own head or, you know, judging myself or whatever. So I wonder if you, and this may be hard to articulate and that's okay. If you kind of know at all what happened that brought you to a place where you could really honestly to yourself say, I love myself. Uh, I'm not going to cry on your podcast. Okay, so. go ahead. Listen, crying, I, swearing, we can do no, it all. I think, you know, I, I think most of, and I'll say this much, I, I was in therapy off and on as a kid when my parents got divorced. Um, and I think I always had this preconceived notion of what a therapist's job is, which was just to make your parents feel better about the fact that they were trying to get somebody to help or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Um, but I definitely, but, it, but I've always been apprehensive to, um, to share a lot about myself. And the difference between you and so many people was that I absolutely felt no judgment from you. Mm. And you, you would say that, like, there's no judgment here, but a lot of people can say that it's just, yeah. you really meant it. And yeah. your experiences in life were absolutely, I mean, you, you shared part of yourself to make me feel safer. Mm. Um, and so when I'm, which I don't want to say it was the first time in my life because I've had a lot of loving, caring people in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was the first time where I felt like I was in a space where that loving, caring person was also very non-judgmental, was also not intertwined with all of these other things in my life. Yeah. Um, able to be objective in a space where most of my, my friends and family can't be because they're yeah. a part of my life. Right. Yeah. So you having this, this ability to take a step back and just kind of see me for for who I am and what I was willing to share. Um, the self, the self love, self care um, was hard for me because that to me was coupled with guilt. Anytime mm -hmm. I did something that would make me feel good for myself or that should have made me feel good. It was, it was a quick, I feel good followed instantly by I feel guilty. I feel yes. guilty for taking time. I feel guilty for doing this for myself. There are so many other people in this world that need me, that need this, that I don't deserve, you know, this time, this whatever. Even, even talking to you was me taking an hour out of my week or two hours out of my week, which how many more clients could I have helped? How many more 
answers could I have given my agents? How much more could I have done for other people during that time? Um, mm -hmm. And even, and there was some, I, I think kind of what was interesting is that there was some reaction from some folks in my family, like, oh, you're going to a life coach. Oh, was your life really hard? Did you yeah. have, to, you know, just a, a lot of like, why are you, you're yeah. successful, you're happy, you're married, you have everything. Um, why do you need a life coach? And I think what people forget is that when you have that many other things outside of yourself, that you start to lose pieces of yourself. Sure. And to reclaim that time and to reclaim these things about me that I need to be able to give people part of me. Like if I'm not complete, I can't give people myself. And my mm -hmm. husband deserves all of me that he can get. But if I'm not giving it to myself first, there's nothing to give. So I think, I think one of the things you taught me was to never feel guilty about doing something that makes you feel good if mm -hmm. it's not hurting somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. and, what, and what it really means to hurt someone else. Hurting someone else doesn't mean you ignored their phone call because you really needed time, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. letting me release all of those, well, what if I'm not doing enough for other people? And you just kept saying, well, what if you're not doing enough for yourself, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, right, but then am I selfish? And you're like, no taking time for yourself does not make you selfish. Yeah. That was a big thing to learn. Yes. I think that that's, that's at the center, I think for all of us who relate to being people pleasers, because I went through my own journey around that, you know, now it's been about 30 years ago, but I can remember telling the first therapist that kind of introduced that idea to me of codependency and people pleasing and that kind of thing. And it, whatever he was asking me to do, I was just like, Oh no, I'm afraid I, I'll, that just makes me selfish. And he was like, listen, you, you could be the most selfish person you can imagine. And you would still be on the not selfish side of the spectrum, <laughs> right. you know, because my whole life, I had just lost myself yeah. entirely in giving to everybody else. And people love that, right? Like I got a lot sure. of applause in the world for that. Absolutely. Because I was doing all the things at my kid's school, all the things at church. I made my husband so happy. And, you know, like all that was great. And so it can be really hard to break that cycle and risk that I can stop doing those things. I can get through, live through the discomfort initially, and you can tell me if this was true for you, I think in what you just said it was, but um, it is uncomfortable at the beginning of the cycle of giving to ourselves and starting to prioritize ourselves. And the discomfort alone will tend to trigger this, like that voice of like, see, I told you, you shouldn't do yeah. that. Don't do that. Don't take that time for yourself. You're being selfish. And, and the mere fact that you feel uncomfortable seems like a, an affirmation of that. Right. But then when you can get to the other side of that, you start to feel the, the benefits, the results of prioritizing yourself. And actually, most people in our lives will then actually respond really beautifully to it, even after they get through their own discomfort. Some will not. I mean, my husband in the end, did not like, you know, the Brenda that wasn't just totally lost and doing everything he wanted because right. he was right. too much of a narcissist. But, you know, so whatever, we take it more than where it comes. But I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And then 
if you if you want to segue from there into bringing people in to we'll, we'll kind of circle back to the concepts we were at at the beginning of so these are lovely things to talk about that you know working with me helped you find that self love and prioritize yourself and da 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 and all that's beautiful and it's not like that's not enough right but then people are always curious as I'm sure you were sort of at the beginning of. And so what's that really going to mean? What the hell is really going to happen in my life when I'm that? So what's that kind of, like, I like to give tangible tools. What, when you look back over the time, what would you say are some tangible results you've had in your life? My gosh. Um, well, I have much better relationships with everybody that I work with. Um, I think one of the funniest parts of, of our um, emotional intelligence class was that I thought that my superpower was communication. And then when I actually went to the people that work with me and said, what do, what do you think my biggest area of opportunity is? And they said, communication. <laughs> I remember thinking that's not, wait, what? what? <laughs> um, because I'm surrounded by people that I know love working with me. And so I thought, how could that be the thing that I'm not great at? What I learned is that they love working with me because they love me, right? We're yeah. because we have a connection because we enjoy each other's company. It wasn't because I was an emotionally intelligent boss. It was that they knew I was funny and smart and good-hearted and well-intentioned, and but I was missing the mark on so many managerial things that I could be doing better. And I'm still a work in progress all sure. the time. We um, all are. <laughs> I check myself, but I also give the people around me permission to check me also. Um, which I was never good at before. Constructive criticism has always been like my lowest mark on any, you know, on, on any yeah. review I've ever gotten ever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think, I mean, one of the big things, like I said, I have a much better relationship with the people that I work with. I think I'm able to verbalize what I need more now because I'm mm -hmm. not afraid to ask for it. Um, yeah, and that. that's from everybody. That's setting and setting boundaries with people that I know I love, I know love me. But saying, you know, when I when I do this, it makes me feel this way. Uh -huh. I don't like to feel that way. Can we change this? I mean, just being able to have conversations with people about how I'm feeling instead of my passive aggressive approach, which has always been my my go to. Um, I have taken much more time for myself with no mm -hmm. apology. Um, okay. And and I've also it's kind of an embrace what you're given instead of fighting against the tide. You know, I was joking mm -hmm. today because, I mean, I said to you earlier, the, the market, you know, real estate market is weird right now. And I just know that this is going to be a different year than last. Yeah. And usually in April, I wouldn't even have time to do a podcast with you because I'd be so, so busy. Um, and I think a year or two ago, I would be in panic mode right now. Like I'm not busy enough, I'm, but, but I'm always busy enough. There is no, there's no doubt yeah. that I'm, that I'm not. Um, I take this now as a sign that I can do other things, right? Yeah. I, my, my business will always be here. I know that no matter what, I will always be here. My business will always be here. And even if things change in the market, well, I have to change with it. I can't fight against that. So yeah. I literally, you have taught me to just kind of let go a little bit of what I think is supposed to happen and do more of what is happening. The other thing you taught me was to not plan for 20 years down the line of something that I really want to do. And if you yes. want to be in a mountain house looking at a lake, well, then pack up your stuff and go yes. to a mountain and look at a lake. 
yeah. because there's no time like now to do the things you want and, and thinking that now is not good enough and you just have to get to next month. You just have to get to next year. You just have to get to whatever. You, the one time you told me, you keep trying to just get to the next place, but you're here right now and you're missing these opportunities to live your fullest life right now. Yeah, that's a big deal. And that has absolutely changed things. I'm home as much as I can be. Um, I bought a little vacation-y place because um, it filled my soul and it's someplace where I knew I would want to be. And, yeah. and I could use that when I need to decompress. And I don't feel guilty about doing that for myself because I also know it's a gift I can share with other people. There's just, there's a lot. I mean, it's, it is a it is a tangible difference. There is a change in my life. There's a change in my emotional stress. My, even my assistant said, I really love it when you take vacations now, <laughs> which, cause I never took them before, but I also never realized my, how I impact other people when I'm not feeling good or when I'm overwhelmed yes. or stressed out or constantly pushing or trying so hard to be busy all the time. I bring all of these people into it with me. Yeah. Um, and I think they really appreciate me being able to just take a step back and breathe. Yes. Yes. You know, when I hear all of those things and thank, thanks for sharing that, because that was really beautiful. What I really was hearing was self-trust and universal trust, whatever, if, if, for, if whatever word anybody wants no, to put thanks. on it, the universe, God, the divine, whatever, that things are unfolding as they should whether I think that's true or not, right? Like whatever's going on and that there's just that trust of things are happening for my benefit, not to me. I'm not a victim of that. And I can trust myself to navigate it even as it changes, like the business market, you got no control over that, you know? And so saying, okay, well, so what could be in this for me? Oh, maybe I need to take a little, you know, downtime. Maybe this is that opening to go, you know, whatever, do something I want to do or take a vacation or whatever. I know for me, when I feel like I'm having a lull in my business and I wish I had, you know, three more clients or something like that, I will, I'll try to just step back and say, no, wait a minute. For all I know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have five more new clients. I'm going to be busy, right. you know, busier than a one-armed paper hanger, as they say in the South. And I'm going to be so glad I took this lull to just let myself work a six-hour day instead of a 10-hour day. Right. You know, like whatever, just have the extra rest, whatever, because I'm going to trust that both what's unfolding and my own ability to sort of, you know, dance in that. And so that's what I hear you saying that, that you're really trusting yourself. I am. And I, and I, it's not that I didn't necessarily trust myself with other people before. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. didn't trust myself with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that sounds strange, but I felt like I was 100% able to be who everybody else needed me to be, but I was never able to be that person for me. And, yeah. and again, I think that just came from feeling selfish or feeling guilty. And then it's, it's exactly opposite. The more I take care of myself, the better I am to be around, the more fun I am to work with, the better I am to be married to. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's just, you know, it yeah. is, you do have to just kind of change your just kind of have to change your thought process. And I also, I was watching, I was watching something the other day. I saw Tom Hanks and he said, uh, 
he was doing like a round table discussion and he kept saying, he said, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Well, which I've always thought about is the bad things in life, you know, like it's all, you're, it's always going to be a cycle. It'll just someday it'll go. But he meant that about the good and the bad, mm -hmm. right? It's, the good stuff comes and goes too, just like the bad things do. So yeah. never being so caught up in how things are going and more how you're dealing with how things are going. You know, the, the pandemic for a lot of people was really, really difficult. For me, it was wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. It was the first time that I watched my gardens grow. It was mm -hmm. the first time that I got to, I sat by my husband every day and we worked together and I learned funny things about how he works and weird things he says that I would have never thought he was that let's circle back later guy, you know, <laughs> those, those kinds of things. But while I realized that there was this horrible thing happening, it was, I knew that that was out of my control and, and losing some control has been something else that you taught me that I never thought I would be good at, which is it's okay to not have answers and it's okay to not know. Yeah. You just have yes. to trust yourself that you can do this and you can get through it and that you do actually have the answers. Sometimes yes. you just need like a you to help <laughs> bring them out a little bit. And yeah, you know, we're, all, we're all very capable people. Some of us have just been trained to think we aren't. Um, yeah. And you just need to break these cycles. And again, it's not, it's not bad to need help breaking those cycles. It doesn't make me weird or strange or there's something wrong with me because I want to have somebody to talk to that I feel like is going to shoot me straight and, mm -hmm. and kind of help put a mirror in front of my face. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually super important. So, yeah. Uh, well, beautiful. I think that is the perfect place to wrap up our conversation. I mean, I think everyone listening can relate to exactly what you said because people pleasing does put us in that place of trusting how we can serve others, do for others, be for others, but not trusting ourselves for, for ourselves. And yet everything we need is actually already inside of us. Yeah. And I like to think of myself as just a facilitator to help every client in their own way. And everybody moves at different speeds and, you know, whatever, but to help them uncover, like pull those layers off. I think of it as, <clears throat> excuse me, like blankets, you know, that are just covering up your truth so that you don't even always see it. And just helping you peel back those layers of blankets until you see and feel what is true for you now, right. which won't necessarily be true for you in even 10 minutes, right. you know, <laughs> let alone 10 years. Like we are not these fixed things in time, you know, right. wisdom is a river, not a rock in that regard, you know? Right. Yep. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for your transparency and your openness and for taking the time to be here with me today and for sharing this. Cause I'm sure that a lot of people are having a lot of ahas, both from the wisdom that you have shared and then just getting that sort of, uh, behind the scenes look at, um, you know, what it's like, at least to work with me, you know, as a coach. So thank you for that. Super worthwhile. I am super fortunate that you came to my life. I know that there was a reason that I went to that class, even though I thought I didn't need it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I'm just, and I'm so, and I'm so thankful that you have been a part of so many other people's lives that I know, and that I was able to kind of bring you into, you know, the, the lives of some of my friends and family, because it's been, it's been changing for all of us. It's awesome. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. I did some workshops yeah. in Meredith's <laughs> office and we did a retreat. Meredith actually hosted my first retreat last summer. We did it. Which at her was house, amazing. And that was so much fun. And now I'm happy to announce, at least when this episode is being recorded, I am launching opening res- registration for my first away retreat, which will be here. Well, away for everybody else, home for me um, here in Huntington Beach. There's only four spots, though. So by the time you hear this podcast, Sorry, it's already full. Um, but you can check the show notes and see if there's a link there. In which case, you know, go go register because we're gonna have. I mean, there's something. Um, okay, I was gonna wrap up a second ago, but let's talk about this for one <laughs> second since that just came up because there is something to me very different about the experience of working with me one on one versus like in a in a retreat is one thing because uh, that's different also because it's a much more intimate and sort of, you know, we're spending hours and hours together and there's this small group of like-minded, you know, women that we're doing it with versus other types of group situations. Like I have this program say yes, where we're on zoom and, you know, that's an hour or so for six weeks. And, you know, that's a little different of an experience, but so from what you've experienced with the one-on-one having me as a teacher, so to speak, and the retreat, anything you want to say about just sort of the different experiences of those? You know, I think, I think the one thing that I just want to make sure people know is that you are literally one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. And you manage to bring that out in other people. Um, Everybody in our, I mean, the, the people in our um, workshop that we did at my house, the retreat, you're right. Everybody was very like-minded and everybody was there for some kind of healing and very supportive. And it was just a very, it was just a softer, a softer place to be than Mm -hmm. obviously when we're in the classroom at the association learning. And in that room, I I have not seen so many different people. Like it's, I, I applaud you for being able to tailor yourself to so many different kinds of people because it's very, it's super challenging. And I know this as a trainer, it's challenging to get everybody on board when you are literally dealing with people who come from completely different backgrounds and, yeah. and everything. Um, and so I think the thing I like is that you're just, you're very malleable and you, mm. because you are so accepting of other people and you have lived the life that you have, I think that you are just, you create this open space where it doesn't really matter how I'm interacting with you. I just know that I'm getting as much of you as you can give, um, which which makes me want to share with you. And that being able to open up like that and being able to give people that space is the difference. Um, like I said, I've been to so many people where I just felt like there was a script behind it. They weren't really listening. I would say something and five minutes later, you'd say, I need to go back to the word you used when you said blah, blah, blah. And I just remember thinking, gosh, she's the first person that I think has ever been able to listen to me because I talk so much. I think people stop listening mm-hmm. and you would just, you never stopped listening. And you were able to do that one-on-one with a group of six women who were all kind of the same. And then with a group of 12 people who had absolutely nothing in common. Yeah. So I think you just have, you have a really good gift for giving people the space that they need in whatever way and whatever scenario, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're being asked to. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, thank you, Meredith, for, for your time. Again, your openness, your transparency, and for everything you've shared with us today. And thank you all for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Here's my invitation to you. Keep loving yourself enough to stay on this inner journey of liberation. And the good news is you don't have to do it alone. None of us do. So I hope you will continue to connect with me. I would love to have you post a five-star review on whatever podcast outlet you listen to the episode on today. New episodes come out every week. You can find me on Instagram at Brenda Florida Coach, on Clubhouse as B Florida. You can click the link in the show notes for my free resources and other information. And last but not least, you can book a connection call with me and we can explore whether or not now might be the right time and whether or not I am the right coach for you to help you on your journey of liberation. I can't wait to connect with you. Oh, 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 oh,